It's great, but uh, it's a great honor and privilege to be here. And uh, again, I'm just really blown away with what has been done with this property. Uh, but blessed that during the service could feel and sense that your spirit is even stronger than your property. And uh, all right, that's good. Well done. You get brownie points in heaven for passion, for sure. And uh, actually honored to be able to connect with Pastor Craig and Trinity. Actually, we connected through, I think just through um, you coming down and connecting with us, and it's been awesome. But i just got to say, you are so incredibly blessed to have these guys as your senior leaders. Craig is, yeah, come on, we can put our hands together. Come on. And uh, Craig is absolutely a man of wisdom. Uh, great wisdom, and I just love their capacity, Trinity's capacity to lead and to influence, and I just want to let you know you're in good hands, and uh, you know, where, where God plants us in places where there's God-ordained leadership, it changes our lives, and I am the story of that, because I just planted myself under strong leadership, somehow over time it began to rub off, and if you just stick around somewhere long enough, you know, in your God season, you will see God do amazing things with your life, so I just want to honor you guys and thank you for for paying the price and taking the call and rolling off that bridge when you bungee jumped. Just a wee roll. I just want to honor you for, uh, that was just the message you preached, that's all. Uh, but I just want to honor you guys for uh, taking up the call and the many, many lives that are going to be impacted because of it. And so come on, one more time, let's just thank leaders who love us and who I know what it's like to be under leaders like that. I really believe I've got a word for you today. I want to speak about dreams. Dreams. If you are taking notes, it is, it is 20% more likely to go to heaven if you're a note taker. 100% of those statistics are made up, but still, uh, you're 20% more likely to get to heaven if you take notes. So if you're a note taker and you've got a device or paper, or maybe you've got a tattoo gun here today, you can just reach for some blank skin nearby. Just go for it. Just do it. But I want to speak this morning about dreams. It's so important that we have a dream in life. It is absolutely pivotal and critical. And I'm not going to talk about the literal dream you had last night because you may have eaten pizza and it is highly probable that pizza influenced your dreams. But I want to talk about dreams when it comes to aspiration and vision. Very important that as individuals, we live our life with aspiration and vision. It's very important. So we're going to go to Genesis chapter 37, and if you don't have a Bible, quickly turn Facebook off, or if you're an old schooler, turn MySpace off, and I want you to go download an app, download some sort of Bible, but I want to read from Genesis chapter 37. In fact, I think we've got it on the screen, so we're going to read it right now. I want to read this from verse 5. Joseph, he had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, his brothers hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream that I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheep rose up and stood upright while yours gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Well, his brothers said to him, does that mean you intend to lead us to reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. And then verse 9, then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. He said, listen, I had another dream and this time the sun, the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. Look, he just took this dream to another level. He said, when he told it to his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him, and he said, what is that dream that you've had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father hid the matter in his heart, or, as this version says, kept the matter in mind. I want to read verse 9 one more time. It says, then 
he had another dream. Title for this message this morning, if you're taking notes, is Dream Another Dream. Just turn the person next to you and say, you're looking good, better than last week. Come on, just say it. Just say it. Just believe it. If that's awkward, just lie. Dream another dream. Can we pray together for a moment? Father, thank you for your spirit that is already so evident in this place. And Lord, I just thank you for what you're doing in CFC. I thank you for this church. And right now, I declare a blessing like they have never experienced for the word to be spoken. More than spoken, let the word be heard today. Open our ears, open our hearts. We speak life into this place in Jesus' name. And everybody said, as a child, as a child, do you remember having bad dreams? Do you ever remember that? A lot of psychologists say that's just the development of the brain, but I think it was probably the complex carbohydrate base my parents were feeding us. It was a mixture between macaroni and cheese. That was the, anyone know what I'm talking about? You grew up in the 80s or the 60s, whatever. You've got a blank look on your face. But we used to eat just a truckload of this macaroni and cheese. But I just remember as a kid having particularly bad dreams about a couple of specific figures. It was really interesting, but we used to watch this show. It was called The Muppet Show. Anyone remember what I'm talking about? It was back in the day when you only really had three choices of TV. One, two, or off. It wasn't even TV three yet. So we used to watch The Muppet Show, and somehow The Muppet Show kind of influenced my dreams. And there were two groups or characters particularly that would turn up in these bad dreams I would have that would freak me out. Just like I had to sleep with more than a light on, like a floodlight on. You know, I was freaking out. So I just want to show you a picture of one of those people just so you can enter my world for a moment. But this one right here would be the pinnacle of the dream. This is the lady who should have become bacon, and she had deep, deep emotional issues. Anyone remember her? She just was in love with Kermit, but very suppressed feelings. Very angry woman. And I don't know uh, why I was dreaming about her, but I was. Well, the dreams would actually go like this. I would be at the Great Muppet Concert Hall, and they'd be singing the theme song, and then suddenly, out of nowhere, Miss Piggy would be right beside me in my dreams. This is a reoccurring dream. It was bizarre. And then she would start chasing me. I just knew to run away from the pig. That's all I knew. So I'd just start running away, and she would chase me down the Muppet Hall um, aisles to the back of the auditorium, and then I'd see a staircase. And I'd start to go up the staircase to visit the second most worst nightmare of my dreams, and this was these people here. Ironically, I had two grandfathers who looked very much alike. <laughs> Maybe these were suppressed dreams, I don't know, about feelings. If you're a psychologist here today, I'd love to get your number. I've got some issues. And so there was the dream reoccurring, reoccurring, and, and it was a dream. It was the worst dream. And but here's the clincher, right? I'm just kind of bearing my childhood years to you. But these dreams actually started affecting my behavior. Wow. Yeah, seriously. My mum and dad went away one weekend, and they left us with a family called the Barnets. And the Barnets, I was probably 8 or 17, I can't remember. And so we're, we're literally staying at the Barnets' house. And the Barnets, after tea, decide on Saturday night that we should all go to the lounge and we should watch something together as a kind of a group. So we've got my three brothers, we've got the Barnets and all their tribe, and we walk into the lounge, and the theme song starts. And the Muppets is about to show. And I am freaking out. I'm a little bit homesick. 
I'm worried about, would I get macaroni and cheese? What's going on? I am there and now we're watching the Muppets. And I'm just like, out of nowhere, I just burst into tears. Start crying. I need a hug, Craig. I just seriously need a... No, no, later, later. I, I am there, and now I'm not only crying, but I'm being legit. I'm covering my eyes. Can't watch it. Can't watch it when these old guys come on. Can't enjoy it. Kind of enjoy parts of it, like the chef, the Hungarian chef. That was so good. But I, but I couldn't enjoy it. Beaker, maybe. I could, could enjoy that. But I just think actually in life this is so true that dreams have this powerful influence on our lives. You know that it is the the decisions you make that are affected by your dreams or lack of them. It's the choices that you make that are affected by your dreams or lack of them. And it's actually the fact that the worst dreams are not Muppet dreams, guys. The worst dreams are not Jaws dreams or in my older kid's case, Dora the Explorer. Swiper regularly woke me up at night in their dreams. But the worst dreams for a Christian to have is no dream at all. That's a living nightmare. That's a living nightmare. To have no dream. I think a lot of people don't connect with the story of Joseph in, in real life. You know, when you're reading the scriptures, I think a lot of people don't connect because most people don't see their life as Bible significant. And so if they don't see their life as Bible significant, they're never going to see their dreams as Bible significant. And that, that belief permeates a lot of society, that somehow what Joseph had was particularly more spiritual. There were fairies around the room, you know. They had special kind of moment, a God moment, if you like. But we actually only know the significance of Joseph's dream because of how it ended. I mean, to Joseph, this echoed everyday elements. He goes to bed one night, he has a dream. He's got wheat bales, hay bales, he's got harvesting. It's just part of his everyday. It's just like ordinary. And then these images of things bowing down. So he's got this promise in the dream. But it's not as though it had some sort of crazy, he was having. He was in Potiphar's house or in the Egyptian second in charge seat as he would end up. He didn't dream like that. He just dreamed ordinary to begin with. And how would we know? How would have you known that that dream, from that dream, all that God was wanting to do? Well, the truth is you wouldn't. And that's the point of having a dream. The point of having the dream is there is no way to know, and dreams are future. Dreams are future. That's why they're not called memories. We don't have memories, you know. And sadly, a lot of people just live with a memory. They don't live with a dream. That's true. And why? Because I think so many people thirst for the past because their future is currently undefined. Yeah. And when you have an undefined future, you will have an over-exaggerated past. Did you get that? When you have an undefined future, you will have an over-exaggerated past. Because people are spiritual. People base on pictures. People have imagery. We become the image that we keep before us. Could that be you? Could that be you? Could you have neglected to paint a vision for tomorrow? Could that be you? Could you have an undefined vision, dream, moving forward? I think so many times we think of dreams in terms of just sportsmen and great achievements and the special talented people. But Proverbs 29, 18 smacks that in the face. It says, where there is no vision, people perish. Where there's no God revelation, 
where there's no picture of the future. And here's the thing, CFC. The thing is, for those of us who personally know Jesus, right, we don't have to live like that. Oh, that is loud. That is very impressive. I want one of these at home. That is at my literal home. Five kids, man. I've got to stomp somewhere. We've got two cats and a dog, and I have no idea why we have them. I literally have no idea. Was it because our grocery bill was too small? No. <laughs> you know. um, I was stomping for a reason. The reason is when we've got Jesus in our life, we don't have to live dreamless. We don't have to live visionless. Why? Because we've got God's spirit of revelation living in us. We've got the word of God to guide us every day. We've got one, you're one prayer away from a new dream or vision. You're one prayer away from change. Lord, I don't want to live like I used to live. God, I don't just want to cruise through life. I, I might know not, not, not what the future holds, but God, you do. You hold it. So speak to me. Speak to me, God. Joel said in Joel 2.28 about God, in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on people, flesh. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men, men shall see visions, and your older men will dream dreams. Here's a question. Are you somebody who he can pour it out on? Are you a recipient? Are you a vessel? Are you a container? Are you available? Are you open? If he came to you and he said, I've got a dream, I've got a picture, would you be able to receive? We've got to have a clear sense of vision. We have to have a clear sense of dream. Churches need it. The reason, that, even the reason this building looks like this and so many hundreds of other churches in New Zealand do not is because of vision. Because you have not arrived at your destination yet. Because this is just a point on the journey. There's a larger vision happening here. When I meet with Craig and Trinity, I was talking with Craig, just this picture of the future oozing out. A holistic church. A church that will affect the community in practical ways. We're not just going to be superstars on Sunday. We're going to be the church on Monday. This is the vision that's leaking out of them. And vision keeps moving you forward. Here's the thought, though. If churches have to have vision, why does your family not need vision? I, I've been married for 18 years. Hello. Got married when I was eight and a half. I, I wasn't. I was married at 18 years old, believe it or not. And here is why. Because I was a Christian growing up in the 90s. And Christians going to youth growing up in the 90s only had three things they were interested in. Right? One, it was about the end times. Two, it was about having sex. And three, would we have sex before the end times? You know, that, that was it. That was it. I'm just burying my soul. So I got married young. Can I just tell you that Rebecca is not the same girl I married when she was 20. She was a cougar. She, I am not the same person. Praise God. We're not the same people. So our vision and dream had to change. We have literally got a vision for our marriage. When our only vision for our marriage is just not to separate. There's no real aspiration to be something. Do we just want to make it through, scrape over the line, get by without mass destruction? God wants more than that for you. God wants more than that for you. Even if you're a single parent here, maybe your marriage did not work and your relationship did not work. Can I just tell you, he still has a dream for you moving forward. We've got to dream another dream. Another dream. 
I've just got a couple of thoughts just to throw you away about dreams this morning. Because I believe people are going to literally go out of this place and begin to dream again. I believe it. I actually believe something's about to click. Click in place for some of you. You've been wondering. Here's just a couple of thoughts if you're taking notes. Number one, the key to life, I believe, the key to life is to have a current dream and not just an original dream. The key to life is to have a current dream and not just an original dream. My biggest dilemma at high school, right, was two things at high school. My biggest dilemma at high school. Number one, high school. (laughs) That was like number one. And number two was careers class. I've got to be honest with you, I absolutely hated careers class because they would get you in a room and like you just knew your entire life's plan, like you just had it sorted out, they will get you in front of your other peers to tell you what are you going to do when you leave school. And I just didn't know how to even think like that. I mean, part of my upbringing was that my dad, when he was in his early 30s, developed chemical-based bipolar. It's a chemical imbalance in the brain. It's a you know, there's eight different types of depression, and bipolar is one of them. So he just literally just bang, just just changed. And so our literal upbringing changed. My grandparents ended up paying off our family's mortgage, which was pretty amazing. But other than that, it was survival. For for all of my upbringing, it was survival. Uh, I, we just kind of trying to survive, trying to survive, trying to survive. So my dad, like chemically, like off the charts, either depressed as anything or as high as a kite going out buying things we didn't need with money we didn't have, um, he, he didn't really set us up and train me how to dream. So I'm going to careers class now and they're going, what do you want to do when you leave school? And because I didn't have a dream, you ready? I would cover it up with humor. Yeah, because I, I didn't want to seem stupid. So I would say, I want to go, this is my dream. I said this out loud. I want to go on the dole. That's what it was called then, which is basically a benefit. I want to go on the dole. The teacher said, why would you want to go on the dole? I said, it's free money. It's brilliant. The truth is behind the laughing and the trigger point for my classmates was I was afraid of the future. I didn't know how to relate to the future. I didn't know what vision looked like. I didn't know what dreams looked like. I had no idea what was deep down inside of me. So then I get married to Rebecca, and Rebecca at this time, because I'm involved in our church, really involved. Rebecca's actually the full-time youth pastor at our church. So I marry and we're doing ministry. It's really her thing though. And then we have our first child, Ruby, who's who'll be 15 in January. And we're we're like um we're like she thinks that it's going to be too hard and it is a little bit tricky to have a baby down at the church offices and run youth. And so Brent comes to us, our senior pastor, and says, What do you guys want to do? You know, could you could it look different? Is Graham, have you ever thought about this? Now remember, I am the guy who said, I want to go on the dole. That was my big dream in life. And I said, I don't really know, but let me think about it. So I went away, and over, well, I think we had a week to think about it. I prayed, and I've got to be honest. It was the shortest prayer you've ever prayed. God, what do you think? That was it. It was pretty lame. Went to bed one night, and I'm just about to put my head down on the pillow. And out of nowhere, these ideas for our youth ministry start flowing. Like, like I had, you've got to understand, I've never led anything. I've never been in, I don't even know why Brent was asking me. But I just like crazy. It wasn't a visitation. There was no angel in the room. Ideation. I, a lot of people in this room, you think your ideas are just random. God speaks through ideas. 
just an idea. So I started writing notes about this youth ministry. Guess what I wrote? It was about 65, 70 kids at this stage. I do not know why I wrote it. 200 kids. We will change tack. This is before many youth ministries at that time were doing this. We will sing worship songs. We will preach the word. People will come to know Jesus. We will reach our community. I wrote about 15 pages, and I put it in a clear file. Do you remember those? I put it in a clear file. I gave it to the pastor. My pastor said, he read it, and he said, are you joking? Is this a joke? I said, no. He said, can you actually do this? I said, I think so. He said, you got the job. I could have downloaded that thing off your website. I really have no idea. You know, I never knew what was inside of me because I didn't grow up in an environment of dreams. You've got to get your kids to this church regularly, right through their life cycle. Because I was connected to a visionary, to a leader, who actually saw something in me I never knew was in there, and here's the thought. What if I was left with my original dream? Sometimes dreams die. Sometimes they need to die. Sometimes they need to die, you need to let go of them, give them a good funeral, and dream again. Because it's not an original dream we need. We need a current dream. Every parent in this place, full-time parent, you listen to me. While you're raising kids, your life is not on hold. You don't need less kids. You need more dreams. You need a current dream for raising the family. You need a current dream for the kind of people who are in your household. You need to say, Father, I pray you would show me with your eyes beyond the absolute craziness of the routine and the weight I've got to carry the dream for this young man, the dream for this young woman. We need to change our dream pattern. You're not going to be the accountant you were before you got pregnant and had that baby. Or if you're a stay-at-home dad with a business guy or wherever you were. That right now, that was a previous dream and it might have a season again. But we've got to front load our lives with current and relevant dreams. Otherwise, you'll think I'm on hold for the next 10 years. And you are not. As one great philosopher said, parenting is center stage to the will and call of God. For they are characters and people you are raising, and that will have eternal consequences. You are like an apostle in that home. You are like a leader in that home. You are shaping and formulating who they are. And if you're going to do that, you need a dream. Come on, we can give a praise or something. I just felt it. I felt it in the moment. Come on, we need a dream. And that leads to the second thought. The second thought is this, right? And this is a theological bender, mind bender. But I reckon you can handle this. The second thought is really important about dreams. Is that we must fundamentally believe that our dreams and God's dreams are actually linked. Let me just say that again. We must fundamentally believe in every fiber of our being that our dreams and God's dreams are actually linked. Now, in case you think I'm treading on holy ground, let me remind you of Abraham. Abraham, he's known what? As the father of faith, which is a great oxymoron because by the age of 90, he had no children. He was not a father. Sometimes you dream things that you think I may never be able to be. You need good mentoring. You need good oversight to help to work out if that is in unrealistic expectation or just a God expectation. So Abraham has an encounter with God. And in in chapter 15 of Genesis, it says, the word of the Lord came to Abram, what? In a vision. Listen to it again. In a vision. 
the word of the Lord often comes to life in our lives in vision and in dreams, in a vision. Not just a visitation, but in a, a thought, an idea, vision. God turns up and he says, don't be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield. I'm your great reward. He, he's just that good God. He's just that amazing. And then Abraham replies with this, which is just so interesting. Sovereign Lord, what can you give me? What can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abraham says, you're giving me no children, so I need a kid, a.k.a. I want children. That's his dream. That is his dream. He has a deep-seated dream in his heart. Then the word of the Lord comes back to him and says, well, not to worry. This young man here won't be your heir, but you will have a son and your own flesh and blood. And then he took him outside, God did, and he said, look up to the sky, vision. (laughs) He said, count the stars, dream. Not currently reality, but where I'm heading. He said, if you can count them, that is the amount of offspring you will have. Can you see it? Did you see it? Did you see that little interaction there? Abraham shares his heart's desire with God. God shares his heart's desire with Abraham. Abraham says, I would love a son. God says, that's real funny, bro, because I've been wanting lots of sons. Abraham says, I want to be a father. God says, I've been wanting to be a father to people as well. There is this divine connection now between the dream of Abraham and the dream of God. Too many Christians actually think God doesn't dream like you do. Too many Christians think that God's not interested in what you're interested in. Well, how are you going to reconcile this? Psalm 37.4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Reconcile this one, Psalm 20 verse 4, may he give you the desires of your heart and make your plans succeed. My great fear for the church, for Christians living today, is that if the people of God do not move to dream, then the God of people will not be able to dream to move. Because we just wrap so much around our gathering and our celebrations, and they, they cannot be belittled, these moments. Forsake not the gathering of the saints together. It's powerful. But the big issue is the church is not a brand. The church is a body of people. And when this body of people and the body of people we're involved in shepherding, when they go back to their life tomorrow, here's the question. What is God going to be able to establish and pour out through them if they only have a dream for the Sunday? When you get a dream for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, guess what? You create new pathways for God to move. God begins to establish his kingdom. Pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come on Sunday morning between 10 and 11.20. No, 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 no. No, business person. God has strategically positioned you that his kingdom may come. And when you dream and desire of making a lot of money for the kingdom, he's over here going, man, that's been my dream as well. I'm telling you. When you're over here and you're going, I'd love to be a teacher. God is like, holy cow, I've been wanting that too. Let's do this thing. When you're over here and you're going, I I just kind of want to like, I don't know, write music or be creative. or There's some people in this room and your dream is to administrate to bring order and structure. And he's over here going, I am the God of order and structure. This is going to work well. Dream, 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 dream. This is loud and awesome. 
Dream, 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 dream. Dream somebody. Dream somebody. And, and here's the grace of God. You ready? Here is the grace of God. Verse 9. And Joseph dreamed another dream. This is really where I get to say what I really wanted to say and came to say. Right here. Right here. The point, I guess, that I've missed ever since reading the story and even preaching about Joseph and his dreams, and I've missed it so many times, because I thought, and probably you thought, that he just got one dream, right? He got it right. It all happened for him, and we would be completely wrong. Because the Scriptures actually say that he dreams first about Baals bowing down to him, and then verse 9, Joseph dreamed another dream. Shortly after the first dream, he's having a new dream, another dream, an additional layer on what God has shown him. The dreams we dream must evolve and grow, guys. You've got to get an update from heaven every now and then, not just every 10 years when you're in crisis wondering what you've done with your life. In fact, Joseph's next dream took his vision to another level. His identity was birthed in his dreams. He would be a great leader in all of Egypt because he dreamed. And I'd never really seen it before, and I don't know why, but perhaps I hadn't lived long enough, or maybe I hadn't been disappointed enough, or maybe I hadn't experienced the challenge of when a dream dies, right? Or when a season changes, or when money is low, or when energy is gone, or the fact that a dream needs to be worked to be fulfilled. You've got to align dreams and strategies, outcomes, actions, But actually, when it all comes down to it, and what I really, really want to say this morning is that you must dream another dream. You must. Not just the original thing that you had when you were a teenager and you've outgrown and the seasons changed. And you must know that by the grace of Jesus, no matter what has taken place in your life and no matter what has happened, no matter what season you're in right now and what resource you may or may not have, you can. You can dream it again. You could dream another. It's a new dream. It's a different picture. Things like that we're holding on to that have died, we've got to have the grace and the faith to let go. And God can update your picture. The spirit of life can update what is incomplete. He can take what is broken and smashed. And you may have even been unfaithful with, not managed and looked after, whatever that may be. And he can come afresh. He is the God of grace. He is the God of mercy. He is the great God of vision and dreams. And our next question naturally is going to be this. And the worship team, you can come and join me right now. Our next question naturally, don't miss it, is how? How? How on earth can I dream again? You know what? I really think we overcomplicate this to the major degree. But I'm just going to give you one thought today, one idea on how you can just dream afresh for your life no matter what age or phase or state of life you're in. One thing, right? One thing. One point. One how-to. Something you can go do this afternoon. Something that you can do every day, right? And it's summed up in this one statement, and I want you to write it down. It goes like this. That with Jesus, right, as we walk with him, we will dream with him. As we walk with him, we will dream with him. It's inevitable. Walking with Jesus will mean that he comes and he gives you dreams. 
You just got to walk with them long enough, consistently enough, faithfully enough. We get so distracted from like, well, it's not working out, it didn't happen, so I'm not drawing nearer. Get disappointment in our hearts. If you look at the disciples, they were businessmen, fishermen, and God, he was able to change the dream, not because that's the pinnacle of success, but because of proximity. They were near Jesus. Jesus can change your dream. If you can get near to him, he can change that picture. One night, you can be asleep. Next morning, you wake up, there's something new on your heart. Father, I I just pray. It's just this thing, man. I'm walking with you, Lord Jesus. I give you my day, and I want you to speak to my heart. I open, I shut off that stupid box, you know. I I shut down that anti-social media, you know. I just make a choice right now that I'm going to draw near to who you are, Jesus. We're going to walk together because you are the God of dreams and visions. And as I get close to you, that's just going to... See, if I, if I hang out with Craig long enough, if I hang out with Brent long enough, dream and vision, they just rub off. What's going to happen if you hang out with Jesus long enough? It's going to birth things in your heart you never dreamed. There are people in this room and you never knew what was in your heart. And God is about to bring about a massive shift for some of you, a supernatural shift where you're going to start to think like you have never thought before. And and it is not an arrival point and it's not a magic wand. You've got to work it. You've got to sow into it. You've got to persevere and be patient with it. But we need the dream. And I feel the Lord just saying that he wants you to dream again. So what's your dream, CFC? What's your dream? What's your dream? Come on. Has it died? Have you never had it? Come on, what's your dream? What's the picture? Where are you going? Some would say, we live in such an uncertain world, how could you ever dream? And I would say, because we live in such an uncertain world, we must dream. (laughs) Because we live in that environment, we must bring God's environment today. I just believe, I was flying down here, and I uh, up here, excuse me, that's, hey, Nelson's south, right. I know the direction. I'm very good with directions. I flew over here from Tasmania. I, I flew up here, and I felt I felt this in my spirit, and it may be for some people here today, but I actually just felt like God said there were some desperate people here this morning. I don't know how many there are, but I felt it very clearly that he said there's some desperate people, and you don't look desperate. You don't personify desperate. As in you, you have a front. You have a good front. But deep inside, you, you're literally hopeless about the future. And I, and I actually felt like God wanted to say he wants to give dreams to the desperate today. There's just a few of you, and there always will be in a room like this, but I believe God wants to give dreams to the desperate. If you will get desperate in a new way, not a powerless manner, but a faith manner, God will release a dream to you. There's other people in this room and there is currently no vision for your family. You Can I encourage you? Go home. Get together. Start writing down the dream. Rebecca and I, with our kids, we've literally started having to pray into our kids' spouses. Father, we just pray they're not going to be Muppets, you know. <laughs> Amen. Double meaning. We're just praying they'll be great, faith-filled, vision-filled, Jesus-lovers. I pray for great men for my girls. I pray for great ladies for my men. Sounds like a rap. That was so good. All the single ladies, all the single ladies. It's so good. I, you know, we got a, we got a vision for the future. We got a vision for this place. We got a vision for our lives and 
I just believe God wants to do something right here, right now, right today. And it would be very easy for me just to say, those who need a fresh dream, stand to your feet. Apart from some of you don't even realize that's what you need. So I want to ask everybody to stand to our feet today. And I want to begin to pray together. Come on, would you stand to your feet? Take a moment in time. Come on, just close your eyes right where you're at. Bro, can we just sing one worship chorus? Anything, okay? It could be A, B, C, D. It could just be anything at all. Just sing it into the mic. Come on, just take a moment. Let's close our eyes. We need to engage with God right now because He's about to drop something into hearts. Come on, let's just sing for a moment.